this person that I, I really looked up to at the time, you know, I was like, I really want to be like this guy. Like, I like like his lifestyle. And, and um, their reply was, oh, yeah, but he's like one in a million, you know, like he's this and he's that. And I remember thinking like, well, if he is that and this, why can't I be like a one in a million as well? Yeah. So I think it's essential that you shift your mentality into thinking like that when people try to like, put you in a box and say like oh you know like that person's different though well everyone's different everyone has a point of difference and I think you need to um, be sure-footed in yourself when it comes to that and just know that you you have like a point of difference for yourself what is up everyone I am Lachlan Samuel and this is the open up podcast the show where real people open up and share real stories of struggle What is up everyone, I am Lachlan Samuel and this is the Open Up Podcast, episode number 23 with my man Ben Mika, he is a freelance content creator, is that right? Yeah, that's the one. And you were the first Discovery intern? Yeah, 100%. That's main, man. <laughs> and I think that's probably how a lot of people listening to this would know you as well, Yeah. as that Discovery intern. Oh, just going to turn this up a bit so we can hear ourselves. Okay, my man, um, like we were chatting about before, the whole format pretty much starts with childhood, but like most people, mm-hmm. um, like most people that have been through any sort of struggle, we go through struggles while we're still children, so did you want to walk us through what you went through, I guess, from when your parents decided to split up? Yeah, so I was two years old. Uh, I was born in, born in Brisbane, raised in Auckland, New Zealand. And when I was two years old, we moved here to South Auckland, to Otara. And we lived uh, in a three-bedroom home, I think it was, with, t- with ten people. Yeah. As many other islanders can relate to. And after that, we moved to Mangere East, which is like on the other side of South Auckland. And growing up, like, I think with a single parent, we didn't have much, like going to school and stuff. We, we didn't have lunch money or that kind of thing, so... We experienced um, all that kind of stuff from a young age, and yeah. And were you <coughs> were you very aware of like that financial pressure or stress that your family was under, or were you? Was no, it was just, just norms for you. It was just norms for us, eh? Okay. So, and so, what would you do when you 
go to school without food? Did you have to hustle? Hustle? Like, <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> so hustling. <laughs> no, honestly, uh, I don't know. I just we didn't see anything different because we didn't know any different. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but there was one time that I can recall when I started to question why things were the way they were, and that was when I had parent-teacher interviews and my mum came in. Uh, as a as a solo parent and everyone else's parents were coming you know in twos yeah and the kids asked me like oh where's your dad and I said oh, I, I don't know and after that like they started to anytime like I was mocked it became that I had no dad and so I, I started to question like my mom like oh where's dad what's happened and all that kind of stuff and I can imagine that wouldn't have been easy to take as a kid Especially from your peers, like, yeah, dude. And you don't understand what the hell's going on. Kids are kids say the craziest things. Like when I look back on that, man, that that's so like crazy. But um, I started to just question things because I I didn't grow up with like no dad, so I, I didn't have anything to like compare it to. You know, yeah. I didn't know what it was like to have like two parents. So after that, I started to realize like something was missing at that time, and I, I would ask my mom, but. Um, she was very reserved in what she had say when it came to that. Yeah. Um, but moving forward, I got a stepfather a couple of years later when I was around like nine or ten years old. Okay. And long story short, we moved out of um, Mangere East into Papatoi, which is still in South Auckland, but it's sort of like a nicer area. And yeah. when we lived there, things were like jolly for like six months to a year. And then after that, like we found out he had like severe mental illness problems wow. so yeah when when that happened or when we found that out um not too long after he trespassed my my older brother and sister so that where i have two siblings yeah older brother and older sister and he trespassed both of them so i didn't see them for a couple of years and what was the reason for that uh basically just no control like he needed control yeah my sister and brother having grown up with my dad in the picture okay um meant that they were a bit more i don't know like less influenced by like a secondary father figure you know what i mean yeah and so when he came into the picture and he tried to exercise control over them he just well they just kind of like rebelled against it and so for you it was like hallelujah, I've got my father figure, I've got this guy to look up to, I'm not going to be yeah, not, I mean, not having a dad. At first it was, I mean, he would let me watch yeah. South Park when I was nine years old, you know <laughs> what I mean, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, a couple of years or, or like a year later, he trespassed both of them and we started to see like the real colours or the, the true yeah. colours of it's that. A, that's quite <clears> a harsh <throat> thing to do as a stepfather. Yeah. To your stepkids yeah how how did your mum react to this did she fight that at all uh i mean i i really don't know the the full details of like what she did but i think she just thought it was for the best he was a very persuasive man yeah manipulative yeah i guess you could call it that and and because of that she he was able to get away with what he did yeah um and like my mum's one of those people who think like old school you know like tough love <laughs> but um yeah so that happened and then I think at that point I was like 14 years old so I was going into high school yeah and then when I was in high school um I started to 
like I, I was a really smart kid not to brag but I was in like accelerant classes and stuff and then when I went to high school nice. I started, hold, on, hold on we'll stop there because <laughs> like not too many well the schools I went to anyway there weren't too many island boys island girls in the accelerant classes yeah it must be the Arab in me man <laughs> <laughs> were you were you like the minority in those classes uh, in terms of race dude I don't, yeah looking back I think so yeah um I mean, there there were like a lot of smart island and Maori kids though as well, but getting back to what I was saying, like when I was fourteen, um, I know maybe it was puberty. I started to think and feel like a man, yeah. <laughs> but um, I started to rebel against any type of person that tried to exercise control over me. So, whether I was teachers, deans, principals, or like my stepfather, I just started to like reject any type of person that would try and control me. Okay. And do you feel like, like looking back at that now, obviously mm. you're mature, you're doing what you love at the moment with content creation. If you're looking back at that time now, was there like a trigger? Was there someone trying to control what you're doing that made you rebel against authority in the first place? It was just like getting told what to do. I hated it because I felt, I guess it was like not victimizing, but I sort of felt like I had been so passive for like five to seven years yeah living in that household and like i just basically let anything slide and then i stopped caring about like other people and like what they thought or what they okay. i don't know, like and when you're when you're saying that you stopped caring or you let things slide sorry when mm -hmm. you're living in that household is it is that while you're living with your stepfather or while you're living with oh, yeah, the sorry. 10 other people? With my stepfather. So at that point in time, I'd been living uh, in that house for like five years, okay. I'd say. And like, dude, things would get crazy. Like if I was, say, like late home from school, I had to be home every single day by four o'clock. And wow. my school was about three k's away, let's yeah. say. Um, and if I wasn't home by four o'clock, I'd get questioned where I was and if it happened again I'd have to go to sleep at 7 p.m. Yep. and I'd have to take a bath in like three inch deep water okay and I don't know if that's like a military thing like because he's got like a military background that's that's how yep. they like teach that's the kids punishment. but yeah that was my punishment and I didn't understand that and and so like having put up with that for so long and then like suddenly thinking like why the hell am i like putting up with this it made me start to like rebel and and reject anyone that tried to like control me yeah okay and that i guess uh, manifested itself in the first place throughout school yeah in school i mean like i i threw my education away in like fifth form and stuff i started to hang out with the wrong crowd got yeah. involved with like the wrong people and that was purely because like I wanted a place to fit in. I wanted to like feel cool and feel loved and all that kind of stuff. And um, hanging out with the wrong crowd gave me that false sense of security. Okay. And yeah, I started doing that. And next thing you know, I was in community service. And, and by the time it came to seventh form, I was expelled from school. Okay. So and what were you expelled for? Honestly, I was expelled for something really stupid, like not showing up to like class on time or something. But it was because... I had like a massive backlog of really okay. bad things that I'd done in yep. school. I wasn't necessarily violent or anything, but I just, 
like doing fireworks in dean's offices and kind of like <laughs> yeah i can see what <laughs> <why> you expelled <laughs> <laughs> yeah really bad things to teachers and if any teachers are listening to this i'm really sorry it was a really rough time in my life yeah i swear he's a good guy now <laughs> um so did that resentment for authority stop there or did that continue on into that household no because i think like at that point my mum and stepdad had split like okay um I guess my mum had just had like a big wake up call because I was kicked out of home prior to that as well. Oh wow. So were you kicked out of home and then you're still going to school? Yeah, I was kicked out of home and I was still going to school and I lived with uh, my auntie for a bit. It wasn't for very long, for like maybe two weeks, but then I came back and we had this big family talk and I guess my mum kind of realised a few things and then they split. Um, But I was at that meeting, I remember the assistant principal saying to my mum, like, oh, your son's not going to make more than $38,000 a year. Well. And I remember seeing that and seeing the look in my mum's eyes, you know, like, she had sacrificed a lot for us kids to get to where we were. And, you know, like, she, from what I remember, she used to work on extraordinary farms while she would go out to university and, and get a degree in teaching. And, like, I just remember sitting there thinking, like, I don't want to disappoint those who have sacrificed for me to get to where I am. Okay. And I definitely wanted to prove my assistant principal wrong. Yeah. Saying something like that. So I guess that was like a turn turning point for me in regards to like my behaviour and my attitude towards like authoritative figures. Yeah. Well that's it's quite funny that like an authoritative figure who's telling you you won't amount to much is the turning point. Yeah. With your disdain for authority. Yeah. Well I mean but you just pretty much use that as fuel to the fire yeah. to become something. Yeah, yeah. Not just for yourself, but for your mum. Yeah. I mean, looking back, I, I can see why the principal would say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I still think you should never say that to someone that age, you know what I mean? Like, you're still trying to find your footing. You're still learning about yourself. And especially if you come from, like, a, a rough childhood, you don't yeah. exactly know what goes on behind closed doors. Yeah. And, like, looking at that now, I'd never say something like that to a kid in front yeah. of their mum. Yeah, and I I think if it would have come from someone that you admired or looked up to, mm. that probably would have sunk in instead of becoming fuel for you to actually make something of yourself. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think as children, we were, we're really susceptible to um, taking what we're being told and actually living by it. Mm. I know I'm doing this because I was told by a psych when I was younger that I'm a healer. So mm. I think... In some weird way of, you know, taking that and run with it. And I believe this is what I'm supposed to be doing because I've been told that. Yeah, <laughs> and I've told dope. myself that. That's dope, man. <laughs> um, I guess you've been, you've been through a lot, obviously, like most kids in South Auckland. For anyone who doesn't know where South Auckland is, what it's like, it's, you know, a poverty-stricken area of Auckland and New Zealand. Yeah. Mostly populated with Maori and Pacific Islanders. Uh, Trust me on that. I've grown up with like some talented ass people. In South Auckland, uh, I think there's a lot of talented people that uh, don't explore their full potential basically because of upbringing. Yeah. Um, Or like going to low decile schools or not having the right amount of resources behind them. Um, And like uh, before I got into everything that I'm into now, I was dancing 
uh, for like four years competitively. Yeah. And so I got to see like the raw talent of a lot of other young Polynesian or Maori or, or Caucasian or anyone from South Auckland. Um, got to see their talent firsthand. So yeah, I definitely think that there is a lot of potential in the South Auckland suburbs that isn't really talked about or highlighted. I think that's a lot of what it's a lot of similarities to what Stephen Evans talks about in his new book, mm. which is pretty much that anyone who wants to make it in like the New Zealand basketball scene to come through the national grades to come through the national teams, you actually have to fund your own way through it. Mm. So no matter how talented you are, like he was, mm. um, now playing in the NBA, um, one of the higher paid players in the NBA. No matter how talented he was, he couldn't fund his way through because you had to pay your way through those national teams, pay for your own trips. So how did he get through? Um, he was actually scouted. Okay. So, yeah, he had a, a Kiwi coach coaching a U.S. college team, I think, yep. come back and scouted him. Mm. And that's how he made it over to the U.S. Yep. But yeah, I think it's a lot. there's a lot of parallels to that story and what goes on here mm. with a lot of the kids. I mean, like yourself with your creativity mm. yeah um i guess having heard what you went through through childhood growing up in a home with 10 people in it which i could imagine would have been hard having the stress of not having food for lunch when you go to school mm. um having the stepfather who turned out to be um this disciplinarian who you didn't get along with, and then finally having this disdain for authority, getting kicked out of school, um, mm. and kicked out of kicked out of home as well, and then finally having that aha moment or that realization when your teacher was it a dean told yeah, you principal yeah a princi- your principal telling you that you weren't really going to amount to much, mm. not just to you but to your mum as well. So um, if you're taking everything you've dealt with throughout that period um looking back now how would you say that you recovered or you coped with or you dealt with a lot of that turmoil a lot of that struggle uh i think just learning to forgive people you know like i think one of the biggest lessons for me was just understanding that people were doing the best they can with what they know um and just developing like a compassion and and a certain amount of understanding for uh, people who may have done you wrong in the past. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just moving past that and just understanding that had I not gone through those types of things, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I wouldn't be as independent. I wouldn't be as sure-footed of myself had I not experienced um, certain things like that. So yeah. I think it's always good to find the silver lining behind everything that you go through as like a younger person because it gives you the foundation to build from there yeah well if you can teach yourself to look for the positives shit to be grateful for while you're young you're only going to learn and grow yeah and I, i mean like i can understand different types of people and i have the uh the ability to choose what path I want to go down when I become like a dad myself you know having like seen or experienced those things I know now what what would have and what wouldn't have worked for me as a child and being able to apply those same lessons instead of like 
letting history repeat itself, if that yeah. makes sense. So yeah, it's awesome. Break um, the cycle. Yeah, break the cycle, dude. Hundred um, percent. I guess when you're talking about forgiveness and understanding or using that compassion, mm. that thought process where everyone's doing the best they can mm-hmm. with what they know, how do you um, relate that to that problem with authority that you had? Wait, what was the question again? <laughs> um, with this newfound lens, like using compassion yep. and seeing it through that thought process of mm-hmm. everyone's doing the best they can, mm-hmm. I guess, in that situation with what they know, how does that relate to the authority, the authoritative figures in your life? Uh, I guess just like having discernment, you know, like if you have deans and, and like disciplinary people in schools, mm-hmm. I think they're necessary to yeah. keep you in line to some degree, you know, and like, I don't think teachers deserve to have like disruptive students, you know. Yeah. So just like especially with what they're paid. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, it's not their fault, but having experienced what I did at home, I'd go away to school and let that out at school. Yeah. But if I knew then what I know now, I'd like cut them some slack, obviously, yeah. and allow them to do their role in society, as opposed to. Um, like rejecting any type of person that has like a status. Yeah. And so would you say you were doing the best you could in that situation? Because obviously... Yeah, you're... it's operating from like a subconscious level, you know? Yeah. I was subconsciously uh, letting my emotions dictate my behavior. Yeah. And you know what it's like being a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you're going through like a lot of changes in your body, both physically and mentally. So, yeah. yeah. So I guess if we're going back to your principal and what he said to both you and your mum, mm-hmm. I'd assume that what he thought in that situation was by telling you this, mm. that maybe you would get your act together, which you eventually did, mm. you know, and maybe it hurt, but maybe that was the best he could do with the knowledge that he had in relating to kids. Yeah. Know. I mean... Obviously, it's know. not what you <laughs> want to tell a kid. But. I, I still think I'd never say something like that to a kid. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's it's been like sort of like a catalyst for a metamorphosis to take place yes. in like my own development. Yeah. But I don't know if that came from a place of spite or a, a place of love. I don't. I couldn't define that for you. But I, I, I'd, I'd say that yeah, that guy is off definitely like operating from a place of. Uh, or operating on the best level that he could have at the time. Yeah. And I guess he would have had to deal with a lot of shit like that. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. But, I mean, all those people now, I don't have anything against them or I don't feel any type of uh, spite towards them. I just think, like, those were prominent figures in shaping who I am today. And that's an important lens to view your past through. Yeah, 100%. If you, if you can't view your struggles and the people who were in a sense obstacles mm. as like learning tools or a yeah. step to progression I mean a step forward then you're never going to grow any further yeah earlier when we were talking before the recording happened I was saying to you like my story compared to a lot of other people was yeah. uh, like nowhere near on that kind of level you know like I just met a guy from Chicago a couple of weeks ago who mm-hmm. told me like 
they have like 900 homicides every year and a couple of his friends die every single year. I couldn't comprehend that kind of level. But obviously there's people that listen who may have like similar upbringings or might be going through something at, at the same time right now with like a solo parent or abusive step parents or just disruptive children or what what have you. But um, I think if you yeah just provide them with love and shelter them and, and give them like the right kind of... Uh, feedback i guess like constructive feedback as opposed to trying to bring them down then things will work out that's awesome man so the biggest lesson you'd take away from that period in your life mm-hmm. what was the biggest lesson you'd take away from that period uh just to learn forgiveness yeah and to develop compassion for others you know like for people with like like my stepfather for example he suffered i think from three different mental illnesses mm-hmm and learning to be compassionate with those type of people and um and yeah just understanding that people are doing the best they can with what they know awesome bro and i think that's important too because i I wrote a post about this the other day but when you hold an emotion you hold a vibration and that vibration is a frequency Hmm. and our brains are like radio towers so we emit and we can receive frequencies and every emotion holds at a certain vibration a certain frequency so if you're holding um, a grudge Mm. hate anything negative you're going to be a low vibration low frequency Mm. and like attracts like the law of attraction Mm -hmm. you're going to attract um, everything that you are everything that you're i guess sending out into the world so if you hold a vibration of forgiveness you hold that emotional state um, you're obviously going to attract people at a higher vibration mm. and not only will you attract that you're going to allow yourself to let a lot of that baggage go yeah and then attain an even higher vibration yeah like joy or peace well i mean you want to empty the cup <laughs> <laughs> empty the cup man just yeah allow allow yourself to attract new people and new experiences instead of holding on to the past that's it my bro well i guess um this the next story that we're going to go on to is going to revolve around your creativity and obviously you're seen like we're saying before as one of the would you say premier content creators Uh, in in Auckland at the moment I don't know in terms of travel (laughs) yeah I mean I guess uh, I'm not sure (laughs) you're not supposed to be Uh, under anymore (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really sure man I mean I guess the most people anyway like um Obviously, there's Logan doing his thing. Yeah, maybe on the Instagram scene, you can say I'm premier, but I mean, there's been dudes that have been cinematographers and that kind of thing for years. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. But you are making headway, you are making a name for yourself, Mm -hmm. and that is the persona, I guess, that you have on social media, and that's how people, especially people like myself who were into the travel side of content creation, Mm -hmm would view you yeah um and that's what we're going to chat about now did you want to run us through some of the struggles you've had to deal with um i guess building yourself up from where you were which Mm. was nothing in the content creation space Mm. to someone who's now making a healthy living off freelance creation uh yeah so i i guess like bit of a backstory 
I started off with a GoPro a few years ago, just documenting travels. Um, <clears throat> and like I'd go out camping and, and hiking and that kind of thing. And GoPro was like just a hobby, shooting that kind of thing. And um, eventually I started to like the process, the creative process. So I started to um, pursue it a bit more and, and I got like a camera. Um, but in terms of like struggles and stuff, I think the biggest one for me is just like having that that voice in the back of your head saying that uh like putting doubts in your mind and that and, and having people around you that are close to you especially saying that you should stick to like something familiar or something that yeah. provides like a stable source of income yeah so it's sort of like that crab in a bucket yeah crab in a bucket pulling you down <laughs> um when was the first time you sort of noticed that not just you yourself, but the people around you were coming out of the woodworks to tell you, like, hey, stop what you're doing. That's not viable. That's not a tangible um, income source. Stick to what you know, which was, was it flight attending at the time? Mm. I think straight off the bat, when I started telling people that I wanted to take this full time and, and that I wanted to do social media full time, Especially when I put in the social media side of things. Yeah. Um, and when you say social media, do you mean creating content for social media? or? Yeah, so sponsored posts, um, you know, like advertisements for brands. Yeah. Um, creating videos for brands or uh, shooting certain types of photos for like hotels and that, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, because it's such a new space and, and so unfamiliar to like older generations, people would reject it when they first hear about it yeah because it's like one something that's not fully tangible and two it's unfamiliar well it's not fully tangible to someone who doesn't understand the space i guess yeah for someone like you who's been around that industry for a little bit now you understand that it is tangible because yeah, there's well, people making health I, I think social media is here to stay and i think it's like going to be a strong strong thing in, in the years to come yeah, well, like Gary Vee says, if you don't understand the internet, you don't understand social media, mm. you're going to have no business. Yep, 100%. So yeah, that was the biggest struggles, I guess, that I faced on my journey from going from full-time employment into freelance. Okay, and I guess that transition from being a flight attendant and working or hustling to get your content up and running to build this content library um, that you currently have at the moment. What were the what was the struggle going from doing this part time to now doing it full time and having to make an income uh, that you that actually can support you? I think honestly, like it's the business side of things that catch a lot of creatives out. I yeah. mean. Me personally, I don't think I'm lacking like any sort of drive or talent. I think it's more so learning the business side, the back end. Yeah. Uh, learning how to put together propositions and how to learn how to pitch to certain companies. Okay. The follow-up emails, the admin, uh, the business side of things, taxes. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, which I think throw a lot of creatives out. Mm -hmm. um, but I was just fortunate enough to have some friends who were knowledgeable. Yeah. Um, in that aspect and they were able to kind of mentor me through the first early stages before I found my footing to um, yeah, turn it into what it is nice. today for me. That's super helpful especially like you were talking about before that Polynesian culture and that 
Kiwi culture in general, mm. where you're not really supposed to put yourself out there. You're not supposed to label yourself the expert mm. or the best in any sort of field. You have to stay and remain humble. Yeah, I can imagine it would have been hard for you to learn how to pitch yourself, learn how to sell yourself and sell your services. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it is, it is kind of hard, especially in, well, it was hard in New Zealand, um, learning how to, like, put your best foot forward and how to talk yourself up to be able to sell yourself to, yeah. you know, like, especially corporations and brands. Okay. Um, but I think it's important to surround yourself with the right kind of people. And, and have like it, that community or that creative space where you can bounce ideas off each other and, and like grow together. Yep. Because if, if you're a one-man army, as much as I love that idea in Yieldy, you know, um, you need other people in this type of industry. You need other people to um, present to you ideas or to give you the creative space to do what you want and, yep. and to just, yeah, share, share knowledge with each other. Yeah, well... I think it's a topic that comes up every episode, which is like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time yeah. with. So obviously if you're spending time with people who are influential in that space, who already have the context and contacts and a network, mm. you're only going to allow yourself to, to prosper in that space, especially as someone who has to market his own services and his own content yeah. creation. I think, I, sorry to cut you off, man. I you're think right. in, in social media as well, it's very important to seek people overseas. Yeah. Because New Zealand is such a small place, mm-hmm. we are so far behind um, in a lot of aspects, and it's important to seek mentors overseas as well. Yeah. Um, if you can't find mentors, then obviously just watch podcasts like okay. what we're doing right now, or listen to like YouTube interviews and and understand how people before you have achieved the things that you're wanting to achieve. Okay. All right. Technical difficulties again. Uh, you remember where we were now? Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah, if you're trying to make a living out of social media or content creation or anything in the creative space, um, look at people overseas, seek out new ideas um, because there's not many people here in New Zealand um, doing those kind of things as there are overseas. So it's always good to get good inspiration when you travel, which is one of the reasons why I love to travel is because not only do I get inspired by new types of um, like cities and, and landscapes, but also because of the people that I run into. And the way they think is a lot different to the way we think back here. So it's good to bounce ideas off that and come back here and, and think about things and, and apply that in your work. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, I guess we're going to go back to the naysayers. Can you remember, you don't have to like name the person but can you remember a time that someone said something to you and can you tell us how that made you feel and then how you responded to it yeah I just remember like someone close to me saying that uh like oh to 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 tell you what happened um I showed that person this person that I I really looked up to at the time you know I was like I really want to be like this guy like I like like his lifestyle and and um, their reply was, oh, yeah, but he's like one in a million, you know, like he's this and he's that. And I remember thinking like, well, if he is that and this, why can't I be like a one in a million as well? Yeah. So I think it's essential that you shift your mentality into thinking like that when people try to like 
put you in a box and say like, oh, you know, like that person's different though. Well, everyone's different. Everyone has a point of difference. And I think you need to um, be sure-footed in yourself when it comes to that and just know that you you have like a point of difference for yourself. Yeah. Um, I guess how do you cultivate that that sort of mindset? Because obviously people who say stuff like that either they truly don't believe it's possible or mm. they want to be that crab in the bucket who's pulling you back down who doesn't want you to um, attain a certain level of success or happiness that they feel they can't mm. how do you cultivate that mindset to um, push that sort of naysayer advice aside and still go for your goals go for your dreams um, I think <laughs> I think um, first you got to understand that that's just people's projections of themselves that they're putting on you. Yeah. You know, like their self-belief might be that they're nothing special or that they don't have a point of difference or that like they're normal people okay. um, and they're trying to put that on you and you have to remember that that's their view of you, Yeah. not necessarily your own view. And if you can understand that, um, then they have no influence over you. Um, but I think all that matters in life is what, how and what you view yourself as. Okay. And um, for me, I just, I just used to spend a lot of time alone. Yeah. I'd spend a lot of time alone um, working on my craft. And um, I think you just have to out, outwork that little voice in your head that says you can't do it. Okay. And also surround yourself with people who do believe in you and who do believe in your vision. Yeah. I think that's very important. And how, if, if like you're saying, when people say that sort of stuff to you, that it's important for you to, I guess, view yourself as someone who is worth it, who does have something, um, a point of difference. Mm. How did you view yourself as someone who had a point of difference at that time when that person was giving you the advice that, maybe you wouldn't make it because that person you looked up to was one in a million? Um, I don't know. I just, I just have strong self-belief, okay. I think. And I think that's just from... And was that based on what you were creating at the time or was that just an, an inbuilt belief that you had? I think I got this loose screw in my head that when people tell me I can't do something, it makes me want to do it even more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like when that principal told my mum, uh, my mum and I that I was um, destined to make make no more than thirty eight thousand dollars a year. Something in my head went, oh yeah, like watch this then, and I think the same thing happened when that person told me that was, I get like a strong motivation to prove that person wrong. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't think that works for necessarily everyone. Some people may take that to heart when they get told that, especially by someone close. But yeah. I think all all that's important is that you know what you want to do and that you have the work ethic to get yourself there. Okay. So I guess within this story, like obviously you being this creative, having this deep-seated belief in yourself, but having to go through naysayers within your family, within your friend group, was there ever a time where you had to, like you were saying, you had to surround yourself with, the right people who believed in you? Was mm. there ever a time where you had to pull away from certain people 
within your family or friend group oh yeah because they were trying to bring you down too often yeah 100 percent. i mean i don't think they're consciously trying to bring you down like i said i think they're just projecting their own self-beliefs on you i think they're just afraid they're afraid exactly um but i don't think you necessarily need to cut them off altogether you just need to be able to um put some space between you and that person and make sure that you're still surrounded by the right type of people yeah. that will believe in your dream and, and will help you get there okay that's awesome and that's hugely important mm. especially for someone who's going after a dream where you're more than likely going to end up alone in doing something like you are mm. which is freelancing mm-hmm. okay so i guess to cover that story and to move on into like how you recovered how you dealt with the naysayers most of it was this deep-seated self-belief mm. um it was surrounding yourself with the right people i guess you got these people around you who are already doing something similar to what you want to be doing and yeah then they they helped you in the right move in the right direction in terms of business yeah and they would instill that belief in you that you could do it yeah that you were worthy of pitching yourself and your services mm. um and you also talk about having mentors with a or mentors overseas mm. and you're talking about youtube and podcasts you're talking about lewis howes mm. before and gary v who's obviously social media mogul yeah i mean with with um being a creative you don't need to just find or search for inspiration in just your niche you know what i mean yeah. so as like a content creator or a videographer and a photographer, I wouldn't just look at um, people who are in the same niche. I'd look at athletes or I'd look at, um, heck, even people in parliament, just anyone that I admired for like a certain certain thing. I would go and look into like how they got to where they were or what they did and, and I'd take bits and pieces from different types of people and apply it into my own um, hustle. Awesome, bro. It sounds like hustle and grinding. Mm-hmm. Grinding for a result was a big part of your psyche, a big part of your work ethic, and how you've got to a point where you can now become this freelancer who is making an income. Um, I guess we can draw parallels to Gary V. Is mm-hmm. that someone that you look up to in terms of his hustle and his work ethic? Yeah, I mean, the dude's putting out, like, five videos and three photos a day. Yeah. I mean, and across ten different platforms. That guy's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but and he, he always talks about how he had to work until he had 30. Yeah, yeah. You know, building this business for his dad. Yeah. Saving up, and he, I think he only saved 100 grand by yeah, the time he was 30. I, I think with all those people, though, you have to take them with a grain of salt, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. not, not everyone's going to be... Um, telling you exactly what happened you know what i mean the salesman after the end of the day but i think you need to take away what resonates with you yeah um and and take those messages and apply it into your life if something resonates with you then 100 percent roll with it but don't look at someone's life and think oh my god it's absolutely amazing and this is exactly what i have to do there's no blueprint you just have to make your own type of path and, and run with it yeah okay and i guess Something we spoke about earlier, we're talking about how you dealt with the naysayers and how you instilled the self-belief and how you push forward no matter what people would say to you. Mm-hmm. We're talking about you meditating and you know the 
a person that you were in contact with at that time. Can yeah. you walk us through what was happening there? It's profit. <laughs> nah. Um, so back in the days, I was hard out into uh, like spiritual stuff. You know, like I was, I guess, on that journey of self discovery, as you'd say. Yeah. And um, was that spawned by the travel? Nah, dude. It was before I'd even travelled anywhere. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So I had just gotten back from living in Australia. I was twenty two years old. Yeah. Um, I just met, or I just lived with my father for the first time in my life, actually. Um, which provided a lot of closure for things. Cool. And when I got back, um, I started to hang out with the new crowd. Yeah. And this new crowd had uh, different religions in it. You know, had Muslim religion, had uh, like Buddhist, Taoism, all that kind of stuff. That's and awesome. and uh, me coming from a Christian background, I started to see this uh, common ground that everyone had. You know, like everyone was just seeking love and, and like looking at being a good person through these religions and. There's a lot of common ground, and I started to explore different religions a bit more. Yeah. And in that time, um, I would, well, the person that I was seeing at the time used to give me these little crystals. And, That's um, cool. <laughs> I had, like, amethyst and rose quartz and, and, like, all these different kyanite gems and stuff. And my brother used to call it witchcraft, you know. He'd come <laughs> home and, oh, yeah, Ben's witchcraft. <laughs> um, and then one day, he was a sky technician, right? And one day he met this guy on a job who had like these giant geodes i don't know if you know what geodes are but they're no. basically like caves mini caves full of like crystals oh, yeah. Of it. yeah so he had them scattered around his house and um my brother's like oh my young brother's into that stuff and he's like oh yeah you should tell him to come like meet me blah blah, blah. so i went and met him dude and like at that time i was hanging out with a kid who believed he was like an alien he was 16 years old wow and um he had like crazy story anyway he he told me like this planet's name was Arcturus and I went and met that dude and I did a meditation class with him and at the end of it he said that same name to me he said Arcturus and they had no connection whatsoever and I was freaking out like how does this guy know the exact same thing that this younger kid yeah knows you know and so I started to hang out with this guy and he taught me how to meditate and he taught me how to um like find my center amongst all the noise he used to call it Yep. And he had used like giant crystal singing bowls made out of uh, Brazilian quartz. That's cool. Um, and he was actually the guy that inspired me to go to India, which was my first ever trip away from, you know, the countries I was born and raised in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of the things that he instilled in me or a lot of the principles that I took away from that, which were heavily uh, Eastern based religions, um, I still apply subconsciously in my day to day life today. That's awesome, you know? man. So I think I was, yeah, I'm very pleasant, or not very pleasant, very lucky, fortunate to um, have come across some of the people I've come across or come into contact with the last few years because had I not, had it not been for them, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am today. Yeah. So when, when I hear that term tossed around self-made, uh, I think that's the ego talking, man. I mean, I'm not self-made at all. A lot of my winnings and stuff are thanks to the people that are around me. And I think that's the same for everyone. It's just whether or not yeah, dude, you, yeah. you have an ego big enough to... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude, come on. There's always <laughs> going to be someone that laid the groundwork for you to get to where you are, you know? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I guess if there was a lesson to take away from what you've been through, having, I guess, met this shaman, learn how to meditate, Mm. him convincing you to go to India and then you becoming a flight attendant 
taking photos in different countries and then finding this love for content creation um, and then realizing that this is something you want to do full time and actually making that reality um, with these naysayers around you what would be your biggest takeaway uh, that anything is possible in this day and age especially especially with the internet you can basically create an Instagram or YouTube account and put up work constantly and you can catch a break and then you can make it a living. The only thing that separates you from other people is how much you're willing to to give for that dream. You know, if you're willing to do whatever it takes, then it'll happen. But if you're half committing yourself, then you're going to get half committed results. Well, you get out exactly what you put in. Exactly. So if you put in a half-ass effort, you're going to get half-ass, half-ass results. results. Yeah, that's it, man. Awesome, bro. Um, and I guess if Takashi69 can... Oh, mate. <laughs> I mean, dude, he he's winning. Everyone's talking about him, you know. He's so controversial. And I think, like, like can we talk about that for, for yeah, a minute? Yeah, if you want. So I was just hanging out with four artists, right? Yeah. I, I shot a tour. I was on tour with these artists, and... All they would talk about is these new age rappers that have coming through, you know, like Lil Pump, Lil Uzi Vert, and Tad Smoke Perp, yeah. you know, yeah, Tad Face had colorful hair. And I mean, like, everyone's hating on them, you know, like, everyone's hating on them, saying, like, oh, this is trash, this is absolute rubbish, blah, 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 blah. But I think, like, the groundwork that has been laid for them, they had to step to that level, they had to go to that level in order to make it. To, to where be they are, different. dude. Exactly, because, I mean, yeah, they're talking about drugs and girls, but so were the guys in the last generation, yeah. you know. And so was order, Chris Brown. Yeah, in order to top them, they've gone and taken it to this whole new level, which is scary. I mean, it's scary because the amount of commitment, you know, the tattoos on the face yeah. and the amount of drugs and all that that they're taking. But this is reality, and even though people are hating them from older generations, you have to step back and realize that we are all part of the problem. That moving forward you know yeah and in order to spark a change i think you need to be able to um do what like j cole is doing man that guy j cole is like a legend he's he 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 was being dissed by little pump and all that kind of thing and then he went and had an interview with him and then took him on a show you know so he's leading the ultimate yeah dude he's leading from a place of love you know you can lead from a place of love you can do amazing things, but if you're just hating on things and like rejecting that we are all part of the problem, then and I think that's important too because obviously someone like Takashi would know what people are saying about him. He wants that. Yeah, he, he wants, wants that. the publicity he wants that because like he wants to be number one. A lot like what Donald Trump does with his Twitter account. Yeah, Donald Trump, Kanye West. And I mean, like, as much as people would say it's trash, as much as people would hate on that sort of music. Mm that Takashi's putting out. Let, let me just say one thing right now. People don't necessarily love 6 ix music. They love 6 9 Yeah. He's the, the personality. They love him. Yeah. So anything he puts out, his fan base is going to be behind that 100%. Yeah. And um, I guess to finish what I was saying, like he's taking his opportunity. Yeah. He's obviously working hard. You know, he's putting out shit all the time on social media mm-hmm. he's obviously working hard on his songs on his albums and it's showing and he's taking this opportunity no matter what people think yeah and, you know it's a lot like what you're doing you're taking your opportunity now yeah with this freelancing gig no matter what anyone said to you to pull you back down the dirt 
fucking gross. Yeah, just guys listening to this, ladies and gentlemen, you don't need coloured hair or face tattoos. <laughs> yeah, please don't take that away from this. Thing. You don't need it unless you want to be like a crazy rapper or something. Unless you want to get open up tattooed on your face. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the one more question to finish off like yeah. that story in terms of creativity for anyone aspiring to use their creativity as a means of generating an income mm-hmm. um, their passion becoming their job and their lifeline how would you say someone goes about finding their UVP or like their unique value proposition uh, I think you just gotta stay at it there's nothing else to it you just gotta persist I mean do you have a lot of Kiwis that listen to your podcast so a lot of Kiwis, like speaking to Kiwis right now, a lot of people that I know that I've come up with have fallen off because they get very disheartened when things go a bit downhill. But I think it's completely natural to have like points of stag- stagnation. Is that a word? Ebbs and flows. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have those times and you just need to persist with that and be patient, man. I mean, if you're persistent and you're patient 100% in two to three years, you're going to have what you what you want right now. Yeah. But the moment that things go rough for you and you fall off, well, then, yeah, you're not going to achieve what you want to achieve. But you got to have that mentality that you can achieve it and to not be passive. Yep. Don't be overly humble. Don't be passive. Just go out, for you want, what, go out for what you want and make it happen. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's going out for what you want, mm. not what you think other people want you to have. Yeah. Or going out for what somebody else has yeah it's going out for something that you're passionate about and you might not know what you're passionate about so you might have to try a few things and you might have to hustle because when you do hustle and you are putting in work after work on a side passion Mm. or hobby you know you'll quickly realize whether you actually fucking love it or not yeah dude i was like you'd know so backstory behind how i met lachlan I was a flight attendant. As soon as I'd get off the plane, I'd pick up my camera and go out and shoot in those countries. Yep. And then I'd get back and go and edit. And then I'd fly, work on that plane, get back home and edit again, go out and shoot. And this is how much I was hustling to get to where I am. But the thing that made it a point of difference was I was in love with what I was doing. And if you're in love with what you're doing, then it's not going to seem like work. You're going to enjoy the process and eventually it's going to turn into something. Yeah, and I think that's... When people fall away, when like the people you're talking about, no matter how many talented people you know or how many talented people there are, if they're not truly passionate about what or whatever it is they're doing, like the first or second hurdle that they face, they're probably going to fall away mm. because they don't have that fire inside, they don't have that inbuilt passion about whatever it is they're doing to actually stick with it, Yeah, which is something that you have. Yeah, I mean, ever anyone can do it, man. If I can do it, anyone can do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. It's cliche, but it's true. And I think it's very important to surround yourself with the right people. Awesome, my man. Well, that wraps up the two stories. I guess we'll move into a few questions before we actually wrap the whole mm-hmm. um, interview up. Your life now, what is your? what would you say the quality of your life is like at the moment? Great. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think Concise. it's great, dude. I, I mean, like, I'm nowhere near where I really want to be. Yeah. But I'm on my way there. And I'm really, really thankful for everything that I have around me. You know, I have a loving partner. I have a great family. Yeah. 
I have amazing friends that support what I do. Mm -hmm. I have the creative freedom to work with brands and and other people and and do what I love. And I'm really, really thankful for that. Cool, bro. Um, What have you added to or removed from your life to improve the quality of it? Negative people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I mean, dude, yeah. I don't know. I've had to remove negative people, but also just a lot of things within myself. You know, negative thought processes, catching myself, um, falling into like a spiral of bad thoughts and, and being able to observe those thoughts instead of attaching to them. And how have, how have you managed to do that? Is that through meditation? No, it's just being self-aware, not self-conscious, self-aware. Yeah. Being able to um, find myself talking bad about myself or yeah. over-critiquing my work and then just observing them, being the observer and watching those thoughts pass by instead of like taking them for fact or taking them as my own reality, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So it's not believing the story you're making up in your head at that time. Yeah, just watching the thoughts come past, like yeah. like cars. I think that's important, that self-awareness, because every time you catch yourself talking bad about yourself, mm. you know, telling yourself that maybe you can't do what you're hoping to do, um, mm. you can't achieve what you're hoping to achieve, every time you stop yourself and you observe it from the outside and let it pass by that's like a rep so like if you're going to the gym you're putting in the reps mm. and you're just building that i guess that that mind muscle that self-awareness muscle yeah and you slowly become better and that's probably how you are doing it without something like meditation which is actually you know mm. keeping you in that state of consciousness yeah so that's awesome bro Thanks. and that's probably something people can use yeah Dope. um what are you most grateful for in your life right now? Life. <laughs> I mean, I've had like friends whose mums have just died, you know, and they're young. Yeah. I've had an uncle drop dead last year who was 44 years old. And people are just dying. And, and looking at that, I'm just thankful to still be alive and to have 26 years behind me because you never know when you might die. You know, we all have this like, entitlement that we're going to live to 80 years old but and so is everyone else around us but you don't know and i'm just thankful to open my eyes and to be a part of this conscious reality every single day (laughs) (laughs) my man um moving on to mission um having been through everything you've gone through childhood um with this creative process now becoming this freelancer Mm -hmm. um what would you say your purpose in life is right now Obviously, that may change as you grow, mm. um, as you learn. But what would you say your purpose is? Bring the baddest videos, man. <laughs> Drop the baddest content, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This To make content that people love and that I love, that's what I feel is my purpose right now, is that I'm at service to others through my creations. Yeah. That's what my purpose is. Awesome, my bro. That's pretty damn concise. Have you thought about that a bit? No. <laughs> So that's a good freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, last question for you. Uh, if you had the opportunity to put a message on a billboard related to what you've learned, what you know about life and about everything you've been through, the struggle, if you had the opportunity to put a message on a billboard that you know tens of thousands, hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of people would see every damn day, what would that message be? Mm, you can do it. <laughs> 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 with a moustache <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm a simple man, and I just think, yeah, you can do it. How's that? For tech, That's, Nike yeah. tech sponsored. Nike. Hashtag ad. <laughs> Hashtag ad, Ben Miko. <laughs> That'd have to be a video billboard there. <laughs> um, that's cool, man. Thank you for that. I guess to wrap up and to acknowledge you, thank you. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. In the first place for actually taking the time to do this. Um, I know you're busy with everything you're doing at the moment, so I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this and especially yeah, knowing that you thought your story wasn't quite up to par. Yeah, it's not crazy in at all. In comparison to what's been on but thank you for actually having the courage to come on and speak about not just your childhood but the creative process and thanks what man. you had to deal with thanks um, for having me i appreciate that <laughs> i guess what i want to say is as someone who's seen you from the start to where you are now like you're you're an inspiration not just to polynesians but kiwis in yeah, general thanks, anyone Kiwi all day. Kiwi all day, but you're you're an inspiration to people who are going after their dreams, especially in this content space, in this travel space. Thanks, man. Um, you've really worked for what you want, and it's you know it's amazing, and it's a privilege to actually see you do that firsthand. So congrats, bro. Thanks, bro. All right.